630 Chad This Morning Podcast with Stacy Bratzel and Daryl McIntyre. It was a pretty busy weekend for a lot of people. There were a lot, hundreds of people gathered in either Calgary or in Edmonton, both in most cases, in order to uh, uh, yell, tell the government how they feel about the uh, parental rights announcement from uh, Daniel Smith and the impact on transgender kids. Uh, a lot of voices being heard on the weekend. It was pretty, pretty big, big turnouts. I yeah, think. a really big turnout Saturday in uh, Calgary. Also, uh, a couple of hundred people in Edmonton at the old Strathcona, just the park right next to the old Strathcona mm-hmm. Farmer's Market. And of course, and there was another one yesterday at the Alberta legislature. Uh, I think the estimate was about 400 people there saying that we're not going to take it and we're not going away either. So we're going to keep this in the headlines and we're going to keep talking about trans kids mm-hmm. and what they need. And, you know, they've, they've been encouraged to tell the stories, uh, explain why this is important. Heidi Evans was at the protest at the legislature yesterday. Uh, her son's been going through this process and system since uh, he was at least 15 years old and she was talking about supporting kids. I love the support and, and the people that have come out and we need to keep doing this to keep showing up and supporting all the people that you know that are going through this. Check in with your, with your friends, check in with your family because, you know, everyone's really hurting on this. And I think this this debate suffers from a lack of knowledge. And I think a lot of people who are weighing in have never met a trans kid, have no idea what these families are going through, and have really no idea about what kind of care and what kind of checks and balances there are in, in terms of somebody who says, I need this, uh, I, I need some gender-affirming care, um, Please give it to me. So it's not that easy. It's just you just don't go to the doctor and and you suddenly get as many surgeries as you want. And and when we look at gender affirming care in different provinces, there is one that is considered the gold standard. And, you, and it might surprise you a yeah, little bit. Because it's actually Yukon Territory. Uh, that is uh, said to be the gold standard for gender-affirming care. We're going to have a conversation to, today with Wilbur Turner, who's the president of Advocacy Canada, to help explain what gender-affirming care really is and why Yukon seems to be uh, ahead of the curve or more advanced on this curve than anywhere else in the nation. Uh, good day, uh, Wilbur Turner. How are you? Uh, good morning. I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. No, thanks for your time today. What does healthcare look like for a transgender people, per person? Well, really what it looks like is a very long consultation process uh, from the time that someone um, first wants to choose us that they want to go down that road. Um, and when we're talking about medical care, there's different kinds of um, gender-affirming care, some of it is basically just using different pronouns and preferred names, but some people do choose to have um, uh, medical treatments to help them out, such as hormone uh, therapy um, and uh, puberty blockers. So especially for young folks, um, those those things happen after a, after a consultation process. And, um, you know, things like surgery, um, both surgery doesn't really happen to, for young people. It's normally people who are over 18. Quite often they're in their 20s by the time they would have any kind of surgery, like a bottom surgery, for example, because uh, there's quite a long wait list to get in. Plus, it's just not done if for kids um, 
you know, in the medical system by doctors. So hormone therapy, puberty blockers are really important for young people um, because the thing is, um, once you go through puberty, your body starts to change, and in um, it actually helps to to um, reduce the need for some types of surgeries if you are able to have those before you go into puberty. And puberty blockers and hormone therapy that really just gives the the youth some time to think and to um, put a pause on things until they um, are sure this is. Um, really for them and they are reversible so once someone goes off of the treatment puberty will kick in um, and things go back to the way they were uh, you know um, biologically born and uh, so there's very little risk involved in those kind of treatments for for people. Give me an idea what Yukon does differently uh, than other jurisdictions across the country. So if if, if they're further down the curve, what are they doing differently or allowing more? Is it ages? Is it is it uh, what's covered? Uh, can you hit the highlights on that for me? Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of the work that the Yukon has done is they've just um, why it, one of the reasons it's called the gold standard is that they have reduced the barriers to treatment. So they reduced the, um, you know, the, um, they provided more access. Um, they cover, you know, basically they cover a lot of the same things that other um, provinces and territories do, but they have made it easier for um, people to get into care. Um, reducing wait times, having more people trained or people in the medical profession trained um, to cover, uh, to treat people. So um, that is a lot of the reason why that they are considered kind of the gold standard. Um, They follow more of the WPATH um, recommendations and WPATH is the um, world the, the the world um, professional association for transgender health. So that is a whole association, um, mostly Western um, and your Euro- Western European and North American focused uh, with uh, practitioners. But um, they have set the standards, and Yukon has tried to stick to more closely to those to those standards and and kind of the reason we see these differences across Canada is because each province and territory has their own legislation they have their own human rights policy legislation they have their own you know every every province and territory has their own uh, looks after health care so they can all be very different um, the other thing too is that uh, there's very little, there's very few places in Canada where you can actually go and have um, uh, bottom surgery, and uh, so, you know, right now um, people have to travel for a long ways to do that, mm-hmm. and that's very problematic when you're dealing with the, you know, after aftercare when you have to come home and travel long distances. Yeah, you got to go to Montreal. I've known a couple of people who have, have uh, had that surgery there. Um, why Yukon? That, that may surprise a lot of people that, you know, if, if, if you're looking for this gold standard in uh, trans and gender affirming care, 
that that's not the first place I would think of. Why Yukon? Is it the makeup of the people? Is it uh, they don't have the backlash that certainly we have here in Alberta? I think, um, you know, a lot of it had to do with um, with just having a, a very strong advocate uh, working in uh, for, for that there. Um, so it, it's it's really I think it really comes down to having who who's involved and uh, having an, a compassionate and empathetic per, empathetic person who is involved um, the uh, one of the one of the people who did the work for uh, Yukon was a doctor um, from Edmonton actually his name is Dr. Michael Marshall uh, so I think he's uh, since passed on. Yeah, he passed away uh, about a year and a half ago now. Yeah, so his work with UConn is the, is what made them the gold standard. Uh, thank you very much for this. I appreciate you joining us and uh, giving us uh, some of your perspective from uh, Advocacy Canada. Wilbur Turner, President of Advocacy Canada. Thanks for your time this morning. You're welcome. Okay, take care. Uh, he had mentioned also Dr. Michael Marshall. We have a clip mm-hmm. of uh, Dr. Marshall from uh, a couple of years ago, just basically talking about UConn. So why don't we take a quick break and come back, and we can we can hear uh, what he had to say about some of the things that they're doing in UConn territory. Uh, in the last uh, segment, we were chatting with Wilbur Turner from uh, Advocacy Canada, just about why UConn seems to be the gold standard for transgender care and gender affirming care, etc. Obviously, there's this conversation that is now really uh, erupted, and a lot of, and as you said, the, the conversation helps people to understand what's going on. That is the, that that's the best thing to come out of it. Is at least it's a sharing of of understanding, hopefully, or at least expressing each other's uh, thoughts. Yeah, we have this text on the line saying we need to keep educating people on what caring for trans people means because I think that there's a lot of. Um misinformation out there and uh, you know we're talking about bottom surgery we're talking about gender affirming uh, surgery that doesn't happen for kids who are under 18 so they're banning it here in Alberta but it's not happening here in Alberta so I think that there's a lot of uh, misinformation and you can just see it on, on social media about what exactly this means and what the health care that trans people uh, going through the transition need and, and require. Wilbur Turner had mentioned Dr. Michael Marshall who's from, uh, from Edmonton who had helped uh, UConn develop its policies and its its healthcare coverage. So uh, this this is not uh, dealing with kids. This is talking about adult transgender and some of the things that are covered in UConn. Things that are covered like facial feminization or laser hair removal or tracheal shaves. And I know that there are a number of eyebrows that go up when you hear that some of this might be publicly funded. Dr. Marshall, uh, as mentioned, he passed away about a year and a half ago, but in an interview from prior... Uh, a couple of years ago, he did talk about knowing that people raise their eyebrows, and he explains it this way. These things are life-saving interventions, and some people may say they, they're often described as cosmetic, and, and because they're described as cosmetic, they are not included. But is it cosmetic, though, for an, an individual to get an indiv- intervention that keeps them safe at the train station? while they're feeling their their own internal proper selves. The individuals that we care for have made it clear that these interventions are necessary, life-saving healthcare, and you can believe them. Uh, and again, talking about adults being able to go through that that type of, of care, but it's it's about the the attitude, I guess. Uh, we wanted to run that clip. 
Yeah, uh, keeping these people safe is is important, um, and and let's try to walk a mile in their shoes. And I think this is really about this is a small portion of the population. I get it, and perhaps you've never met a trans person, um, you've never talked to a, a trans person's family. If you have, then you you would know better exactly the journey that they're going on. And if you could hear their stories, you would try to make that journey as easy as possible because it is it is a rough one, that path that they are on. And it's tough for kids, and we hear all the time about kids who, um, who, who, who take their own lives because it's just too hard a journey for them to go.